Women Making Waves on Cambridge 105 Radio. Some say that Rachel Mason is a musical guru. Others say she's the ultimate freelancer or a TV choir judge, a designer or a copywriter. It's all those and a whole lot more too. Oh, and then there's a superpower. When she hears music, she sees colours and can even taste music. It's called synesthesia, meaning together sensation. Susie Thorpe and I caught up with Rachel Mason. Well, we are delighted to welcome multi-award-winning singer, songwriter, vocal coach, musical director, amongst many other roles, Rachel Mason, who was recently applauded as an inspiration by Prince Harry. So, Rachel, how did it all begin? Always loved music. Um, from being a child, I've I've had a condition called synthasia, which means you can see music as well as hear it normally but I could see it as colours and I could taste it as well and I always thought that everybody had that because when you're a child you just think everybody's the same and I remember telling my parents something about the Kate Bush song Wuthering Heights I said you know you know that it's kind of dark green and then it goes kind of gold in the chorus and they just looked (laughs) blankly at me (laughs) and they said no And I went, oh, I realised that I was perhaps a bit different. And I very fortunately had parents who were quite happy for me to go and pursue a career in music. Because I know some parents say, oh, that's not a very safe industry. Maybe go and do something sensible. And that can be a that can be your kind of part time kind of on the side thing. But my parents said, no, no, it's fine. You go and study music. And yeah, that's that's what I did. I went to Cardiff, I did my degree and and I just I love working with other musicians and teaching singing and creating choirs and, and things. And it's, it's it just all kind of rolled on from there. Because you did a master's degree, didn't you, as well, in, in, yes. in songwriting? Yeah. And how, how did that come about? So you were a singer, you were a performer, you were a writer, and then you decided mm. to do master's. That's unusual, don't you think? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit unusual. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I guess... I think a lot of us struggle with kind of imposter syndrome and I'd been writing songs for a long time and performing my own things and performing other people's things and other writing stuff for other people but I always felt like I wasn't a real songwriter I was sort of pretending to be one uh this was a back in 2013 um so I just come back from New York with my show choir we were performing over there and we performed one of the songs that I'd written it was for an anti-bullying charity and um, people kept saying, oh, it's really good and it's it's doing lots of good for people. But I just didn't really, I thought, oh, I'm not really a proper songwriter. And then I found about, out about this this online master's you could do um, over two years. And it was at Bath Spa University, which isn't far from me. And um, I just thought, oh, I wonder if they'd, I wonder if I'd be good enough to do that. And they they welcomed me on board and it just it was wonderful because it taught me so many different ways of writing and being inspired and collaborating with other people and um it was yeah it was an absolutely wonderful thing to do you you say you wrote an anti-bullying song was there anything behind that were you bullied when you were at school did you understand that feeling i did struggle a little bit with bullying at school nothing nothing major but i've been teaching singing for a long time now and I was teaching peripatetically in schools for most of my career until quite recently and I'd particularly see teenage boys being you know picked on a bit for going to singing lessons or being in the school play or things and um, 
there was one particular boy who was only in year seven then and he was a had lovely singing voice he was just a real a really charming lovely boy and um he just stopped turning up for singing lessons and I didn't it didn't seem like him so I called his mum and just said is everything all right uh, she said oh no um he's being really badly picked on by older boys in the school they did this vertical tutoring thing where you had kids from different year groups in your tutor group so there were year 10s and 11s who were just mercilessly picking on him and they it was quite a sporty school so anyone who did music was thought of as you know a bit pathetic or something this poor kid just stopped doing everything dropped out of the school show dropped out of the choir stopped singing lessons even stopped doing football and the things that were deemed okay by the the older boys and he just became kind of like a ghost of himself which was so sad and that's what inspired me to write the song about it, it take people picking on you that much it just takes away the essence of who you are that they're, they're like draining it away from you and so you get to the point where you look at yourself in the mirror and you don't really even know who you're looking at because you're just a you're a ghost of who you used to be yeah it was that that young man inspired that song were you enlightened obviously it was a master's you must have done but did you find that your whole attitude and your whole idea of songwriting changed after that or did it just enhance what you thought before I think both actually there were there were some things that I'd not considered that I I didn't know you could go about writing a song in that way um and then other ways I it just enhanced things I already knew and and it was quite nice I thought oh I did know things <laughs> that's quite that was quite comforting <laughs> oh I did did know some things and yeah the tutors were amazing it was and so kind and so encouraging which you know it's tricky when it's a, a creative subject because because not not everybody likes the way other people write but they were so kind and supportive it it made a, a huge difference it gave me a lot of confidence was that your original career then singing teacher yeah sort of i i i don't know what my career is really it's a bit all over the place it's um <laughs> I just I finished my degree and I started working in a call centre because I couldn't get any work doing anything else. I was working for BT, which I it was you know it's all right. It's not what I wanted to do. And there's nothing like having a job that you dislike <laughs> that just makes you so determined to get out of it and do something else. And I just started advertising, at, um, contacting schools and saying, would you like to have a singing teacher come in? And a couple of them eventually said yes. So it, I gradually built up clients in schools and then private students at home. So I got to the point where I could leave my other job because I'd got enough work doing that. So at that point, I was like, yes, I am now a singing teacher. I can do this. And then other things came from that at the school's quite a few of the kids were really struggling with their ensemble work for GCSE um, because they didn't play an instrument they were singers and they they didn't know what to do for their ensemble and so one of the teachers said well would you set up a choir and I said yeah okay that was my first choir that I set up and it went quite well and I started writing arrangements for them and realized I I could do that pretty much all those kids got A stars for their ensemble performances which I found amazing because they loved being in the choir so much and we had had lots of fun as well it was lovely and we used to be did quite contemporary pop songs and they'd get to choose what we did and things and then I kind of thought oh I could possibly do a bit of musical directing and then 
other opportunities kind of presented themselves or I thought, right, I want to push myself more in this area. So I'd contact some other people about doing a primary school choir and I got one of those. And uh, so I just sort of dream and and then kind of push into that dream. <laughs> so I've ended up with this weird career with loads of different kind of strings to my bow in that sense because I just think oh that would be fun I want to do that and just go and do it (laughs) that's quite nice though because it must it must keep you interested in everything because you you're an you're an artist manager I believe you manage manage people you've got a record label um, yeah. <laughs> you manage, you organise several choirs, you conduct several choirs, you do charity work, and you're two young children. I mean, what's your secret? <laughs> Everyone's asking that at the moment. <laughs> uh, being slightly crazy, I think. I just, yeah. I also have a, an amazing um, support network. My husband is is incredible. I can hear him upstairs now with the children trying to get our three-year-old to bed and she's like singing songs and he's going just please go to sleep honey please go to sleep so he's <laughs> he's a brilliant dad and he's so supportive of everything my parents live nearby so they're able to come and help out obviously they haven't much during lockdown because it's not safe um but so we've kind of muddled on on our own <laughs> during lockdown but um yeah I do have an amazing support network without whom I I really don't think I could do all the things I do You've said that you, you know, you suffer from a bit of imposter syndrome before. I can't see this at the moment because networking, connecting with people. So when you finish one project, you're on to the next. And I get the impression that you're knocking on people's door in a way that people are saying, oh, no, not Rachel again. (laughs) Go away. (laughs) You're awful. (laughs) But you have. Well, they might be. (laughs) I don't think so. But you have this you have this connection that any so you have one project finished, you put it away, you're on to the next. What what makes mm. you do that? Because some people are either exhausted or they've got too much on their plate. I don't know. I'm just maybe I've got a short attention span. I don't know. I've just always got other things kind of on the boil that I'm ready to to take on and I get really inspired by things that are happening and I I just love helping people I just love it so I don't make very much money from some of the things I do because I just want to give my time to things like mentoring young musicians because it is a hard industry and it's difficult to know who to trust and who not to trust and I, I love being able to try and support people because you know growing up I didn't have a lot of advice from people in the industry and we didn't have the internet then I'm that whereas now you can just sit in front of your lap and just go oh I'll just find the address for so and so and I think Mm -hmm. I am still scared people I am definitely still scared but my kind of big secret that I always give when when I'm doing uh, motivational speech is the big secret is just ask because the worst they can do is say no and that's not going to kill you just just sometimes you know it's they'll say oh no you're not really good enough or you're not really what I'm looking for or something but quite often people are really kind of sparked up by that kind of energy and say oh yeah let's work together or let's do this and I just love making friends with people I'm just I'm ridiculously friendly (laughs) extrovert and so everything I've done I I love chatting to people and just getting to know them because everybody's got they seem like these incredible 
people. It's like someone like Joanna Lestrange, who is just like a goddess. I've always thought she was just the best human ever and does everything that I do, but much better than me. And then I met her doing Sing Ultimate Acapella and she's just totally normal. She's brilliant and she's so kind. And, and she talk, she'll talk about her chickens in her garden and, and she's just totally normal. And then you kind of think, okay, well, all these people are just people. They're just normal. You make friendships and then people want to work with you. They, they like you and you've, you know, you've built up a, a kind of relationship with them. And I just love doing that. I just love having <laughs> all these crazy music friends all over the world. It's just, it's just brilliant. <laughs> you, mentioned, uh, you mentioned being on Ultimate Acapella, which was on Sky One. Tell us what that was like. I think the most surreal of my entire life because I'd given birth three months before that so to my first child and so when they contacted me Layla was 10 weeks old she was really young I was covered in baby sick and in maternity joggers feeling pretty rancid as you as you do (laughs) not long after you've given birth they contacted me and said oh we'd, we'd really love you to to be a judge and I looked at myself covered in baby sick and said, I really don't think you would. <laughs> if you could see me now, there is no way you would want this on television. It's just awful. But they were like, no, no, we really we really want you. What can we do to make it happen? And so I talked to my husband and he said, well, if we can find a way for me and Layla to come as well, so I could look after her while you're filming, then we could, we could possibly do it. Mothering <laughs> during the morning, and then I'd be taken off to the to the Troxy where we filmed, and be put through hair and makeup. It was a Strictly Come Dancing makeup team who were just the loveliest, sweetest people ever, and they'd get me from looking like a new mum who didn't know what <laughs> what day it was to kind of TV ready, kind of Rachel, and then I'd be judging, thinking, "What the heck am I doing? <laughs> this is just surreal." <laughs> But it was it was amazing and it's one of those funny things that I absolutely loved and the judges, all of us judges got on so well and we're still friends now and we catch up a lot. I was speaking to Aaron today who is in Hamilton, so he's obviously not doing Hamilton at the moment because there's no theatre going on, but he and I are working together on a, a song for Black Lives Matter because um, he wanted to work together on something for that. And so we've built up these kind of crazy friendships that wouldn't exist if we hadn't done that show. And while I had an enormous imposter syndrome at the time, I look back and think, oh, OK, I, I did it. I did that. And, and then you've got this kind of funny thing where people, you've got this rubber stamp of approval. People are like, oh, you did a TV show, so you must therefore be amazing at what you do. Whereas essentially, I was still the same person as I was before I filmed it. But people are more willing to work with you because you've got that on your, on your CV as well. Yeah, I look at you now and you, you're definitely the modern woman. If, if Years ago, if if anybody was going to do what you did and you've had children, you wouldn't be even accepted. You know, you have children, mm. but you seem to be somewhere that women haven't been really because you have two children, you have a supportive husband, you go to be a judge on TV and your children come with you. Years ago, <laughs> they would have written off women, wouldn't they? Yes, absolutely. And I feel so incredibly lucky that I live in this day and age because it just, I couldn't have done that years ago. You were a mum, you worked and then you were a mum and that was it. And I'd always wanted to have children, but I, I had never wanted to be 
a stay-at-home mum and there's nothing wrong with that at all there's nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home mum quite a few of my friends do it and they're amazing I just knew I didn't want that for myself and luckily I've got a husband who's fine with that and my parents come over and look after the children when I have to go away but I do try and balance things so I'm I'm here most of the time during the day and then I can work in the evenings and then I was meant to be <laughs> away quite a bit this year but but obviously there's no travel <laughs> so none of that's happening so the children are quite pleased but I don't think they notice really when I'm not there anyway <laughs> so I mean it's a credit to the to the industry and to you that things have changed and people are much more uh, open and so they should be because if it was a, a, mm. a man doing your job and you know they would have an easier thing but you've made it you've always inspired because there was I was talking to another lady who said you can't be what you can't see so for younger generation mm. to see you where you are with two small children is is a is quite inspirational quite forward thinking seems weird to oh, say wow, that oh wow thank you <laughs> that's that's it's it, life is strange isn't it because i'm just living my life and just doing things and it's really I find it really humbling when someone says that. And I think I struggled a lot in my um, in my sort of early career because I was classically trained, but I didn't want to sing classical stuff anymore. I wanted to do pop things, but I don't really sound right as a pop singer either. Um, so, and I'm a, you know, I, I can teach sort of classical music and teach pop and things, but I've got crazy hair and tattoos and stuff. So I I don't really fit into any box existing box and like what you were saying before about you can't be what you can't see I didn't know where I belonged because I didn't look right for one world and I didn't have the right information for the other world and so I just always found that hard I thought well, where do I belong am I just not really good enough for any of the parts of the music world so I just just started doing things I wanted to and then I've created this whole crazy <laughs> crazy thing which is my world and and I'm more than happy to help people do similar things if that if that's what they like and I think the more you embrace who you are the more you can achieve because you're you're being honest about yourself and I'm you know when I give pub, give sort of workshops and things um I'm all, I'm quite happy to tell people that I'm really terrible at maths and I don't really know left and right very well because they they think I'm some kind of amazing guru and I'm like I'm really not I'm super normal <laughs> and it's it's good to accept who you are for all your flaws and all your all your wonderful things um because that's it it keeps you human and it and and it make it it makes you more kind of attainable like who you are and what you do other people think yeah, I could do that and that's great mm. you suffered from postnatal depression I believe was that after your yeah. first child and that must have been really tough then trying to do a television show or or did that help did that make it feel a lot a lot better did it pull you out of that um I had I had it both times after both children so my children were born 18 months apart to the day which uh was slightly crazy um so after Layla was born um I was really not very well and I did I think I really had postnatal um psychosis as well where you think something terrible was happening and and it was awful and I didn't tell anyone because I thought I was a bit crazy and that they'd take her away from me 
Um, so I just didn't say anything, which is the worst thing to do. The, the best thing to do is go for help, which I didn't. So it took me six months to actually admit there was something wrong. So I was just trying to kind of bury it all and, and carry on doing things in my career. So filming Sing was really bizarre because it was this crazy celebrity world and you're meeting Midior and Cat Dealey and Gregory Porter and feeling fairly rubbish on the inside, but, but plastering a smile on and just going, yeah, here we are. I've got purple hair today and it's all great. Um, and I just didn't talk about it after my son was born the exact same feelings came back and I thought I can't I can't do this again I can't go through it without any support so I went spoke to my family my husband and went to the doctors and got got amazing support and just being honest has made a, an absolutely enormous difference and you know people would say oh you know you've you must have it all together you're the mum who's got it all together you've had a baby then you filmed a tv show and I thought oh, I'm being really dishonest making it look like I've got it all together when I actually haven't. And that's not fair on other people because that's something that is not attainable well, in my world anyway. So I, I thought, no, that's, that's not right for me to, to, to lie about it. So, so I spoke about it publicly and the amount of people who, who I knew and, and total strangers who were contact and say, oh, I felt exactly the same. Oh my goodness. That I did had no idea you, struggled with that and and it just made me normal like I wasn't this amazing person who could cope with it all I really wasn't and I'm still not now I still have hard days and I think that it's important to accept that about yourself. Now talking about freelancer you've said recently that uh, it's great being a freelancer it's fantastic someone you know for you to manage your time and I think I spoke to you a week ago and you were saying how you manage you know everything doesn't happen at the same time but the one thing that really stuck out to me was you saying yeah. that having a free being a freelancer is fantastic but you don't get that pat on your back when you're doing really well how do you cope with that I mean your husband's there of course but how did how who's your mentor yeah, who actually he's, he's pull, who pulls you upright and who's someone to you can look to well, I'm I'm part of um, a group in Bristol um, called Freelance Mum, and that has been the best thing I have ever joined. And they are all kind of like me. They're all mums, um, all have their own, run their own businesses, all do very different things. Some are graphic designers, some of them are accountants, they all do different things. Um, but we are all the same in that we're trying to manage all that whilst, you know, running a household and having children. And they are just the most incredible, supportive group of women. So we've been talking to obviously a few people now in lockdown and the pandemic thing. How have you coped with that in the sense that we, we get a feeling, don't we, Linda, that uh, performers are really keen to keep themselves out there and perform remotely. But some are just a little bit fed up that they're doing it for free. And mm. and how do we how do you get over this? How do you tell your other peers and colleagues and performers and when you're on TV? How does it? How do you sort of cope with giving free stuff? It's really hard, and I think it's a very individual choice because we're not all in the same position. Some of my friends um, have been really really down during lockdown. I keep checking in on them, see how they're doing, but they've 
they've realised they just can't make enough money performing at the moment they just can't so they've gone to work in um got temporary jobs in tesco's and things and, and i've said you know how are you doing how are you how are you feeling about things and they said well i just i need to just face that this is my my life for a little while and it won't be forever um whereas some other people have just ha- been able to take time off and be at home but it very much depends on your your family situation your financial situation and your mental health as well this has been hard on a lot of people so, Rachel, what are your current plans now at the moment? The festival's just closed, actually, but we're doing all the judging for it. So I, during lockdown, um, I do quite a lot of work with a mental health charity that's local to me, and they haven't been able to do any fundraising during lockdown, obviously. And um, they provide counselling for those who can't afford it, which is vital, particularly at the moment, because people are, you know, it's like, there's NHS staff who are really struggling and, need support and key workers and just everybody needs needs help I said to them well why don't we run a a singing competition or something I'll be the judge and so I'll just do it for free and all the money will go to you everyone's um, entry fee will just go to the charity and then some of my friends um, Karen who is on Strictly she's uh, Karen Hower one of the pros on Strictly said oh I'd love to help Rach I'll judge a dance category if you do a dance category so I was like all right then and then Joanna Lestrange was like yeah I'll I'll come I'll do some judging with you and some of the cast of Hamilton and Wicked and all these kind of crazy people I've picked up along the way in my life and um Deke Sharon who I can't believe he's my friend he's the the godfather of modern acapella he does the musical direction for the Pitch Perfect movies and he's just incredible I'm like I can't believe he's my friend and he was like yeah yeah sure right yeah I'll do some judging it's like what and all these incredible people that I just I just couldn't believe it half of the swingles are doing it and it's just mental and um they're all giving their time to judge completely for free and a lot of them have given prizes as well like coaching time with them and things so we've just closed the entry so we've raised over three thousand pounds from that so it ended up going worldwide because people from all over the world wanted to be part of it so we've ended up with this massive scale thing which is a bit bonkers and so judging starts now and then we'll be able to contact the winners and it would just be lovely for people to have done something nice and creative during lockdown feel something positive and be able to help a mental health charity as well so that's been my kind of my baby my lockdown baby <laughs> so it is a credit to you rachel that you're oh, doing this so thank, thank you. you it's been really nice to be able to talk to you i know it's been great fun mm. great fun oh. very very oh. inspiring interesting such an interesting life that was rachel mason talking to susie thorpe and i I thought it was really interesting, Susie, that Rachel is friends with Joanna Forbes Lestrange because they're both quite similar types, aren't they? They're both really enthusiastic into the music and into lots and lots of things as well. Yeah, you're right. And there's no stopping them. That's what I love about it. They've always Full of got, energy. Yeah, but there's always a plan. One finishes, the next one is almost, it's been there boiling away and suddenly they're on to their next one. They don't stop. I, you know, I find that quite fascinating in people actually. And I think that I drive is really interesting. 
And I think it's very useful. We were talking earlier at the start of the programme about the, the, the time that the entertainment industry is going through at the moment is completely unprecedented. You know, it's worse than a recession because they've been completely stopped. Yeah. You know, theatres are in the dark and it's, it's awful. But if you've got more strings to your bow, like these two have, you'll always keep going. And I think that's that's really key if you're going to go into that kind of industry. It is. And as you say, it's key to always feel that you, there is always something, an idea around the corner and you reinventing themselves, as you say. And that means using the internet, doing virtual concerts. You know, for, I'm forever seeing Joanna Forbes Strange always doing something on either mm-hmm. her Instagram or on virtual. It's just fantastic. I think it was also very touching, you know, when she mentioned the the bullying about the boy at school who had to give up all the things that he really enjoyed doing because of pointless, stupid bullying. And these, you know, the the thing about these boys is, you know, the boys that are doing the bullying, they'll have forgotten all about it Mm. by now. But it's left him without any hobbies and without any extracurricular activities. Awful. Yeah. Women Making Waves on Cambridge 105 Radio.